Why, hello there. This is Sienna with The Process, and we've got a whole new episode for you this month. Today, I'm talking to adventurer musician Julia Rose Studios. She's got a super unique perspective on routine, building community as a nomad, and creativity. Not only is she an incredible composer, songwriter, and performer, she also has a really fresh perspective on living life in your own way. And before we get into it, I invite you to share this conversation with a friend or family member or someone you love who you think will really enjoy it. And let's just dive right in, shall we? I'm here with Julia Rose Studios, and this is actually the first time I've done a remote interview, so I am really looking forward to learning more about what you're doing because we met right before the pandemic and so much has happened since then. Julia Rose Studios is a musician. She's a producer. She's an adventurer. So just give me a sense of like where you're at right now. Like where are you physically right now? (laughs) (laughs) I am in Buena Vista, Colorado in uh, a little camper that I've been living in full-time for the last year. And um, when we first met, I was on my way across the country. As you had said, it was right as the pandemic was starting, it was March of 2020. And I was so excited to be driving across the country. I was so eager to get to play shows all over the country. And so I didn't end up getting to play any other shows except for the one that we played together. (laughs) Everything was canceled. But I think it was meant to be because um, I really had this big vision that before I left to travel the country and play shows, I wanted to have an album released and I wanted to be moved out of my apartment in Vermont and to have a really solid adventure set up. So... I went back and quarantined in Vermont after my rafting trip, which I was lucky wasn't canceled. And, uh, and then I tried again the next, I guess it was a year later that I ended up leaving. I've been living on the road full time for the last year. I honestly came out here and didn't really have any plans. I had no idea what to expect. And that was, that's what was so exciting because so much of the beauty of being on a road trip is just feeling things out once you get there and giving yourself space to to see what opportunities arise so I came out here with uh with one month's worth of shows booked in Colorado and then no other plans after that that's amazing so how did you start having this vision like what drew you to traveling what drew you to music I've always been traveling it's just (laughs) I love uh, that (laughs) (laughs) yeah even when I was a kid when I was in middle school and high school, I used like before before I could drive, I would take buses to go visit friends in really? different around the Northeast. So I would bounce from New York City to Boston to Albany and DC. I would just like go visit friends and hop on the bus, and walk around in a backpack, and that was like always fun for me to bounce around. And then. Uh, yeah, I've spent a lot of years backpacking. I walked a thousand miles of the Appalachian Trail. And then wow. I did a, a big road trip for a couple months right after college. 
And so that's always been high on my, on my priorities of passions. Mm. So it's nice to get to weave that into the mix. I feel like a lot of artists, they choose to, to build a following in one place and then go on tour. But for me, I've been doing it kind of backwards. Instead of saying that I'm on tour right now, I more just say that I'm a nomadic musician. I'm using my travels as a way to, to build my name. That's amazing. It seems to be working. Like (laughs) you have a lot of YouTube subscribers. You've had like tons of Spotify listeners. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's kind of hard to gauge. Like it's, Mm. it's difficult to measure how successful the progress feels when it comes to art. That's so true. Like what even is success, honestly? Right. Especially with our culture, we always want more. And so as soon as we get to a place of completion, the human mind and our culture is always looking ahead. So for example, I was dreaming of this lifestyle for years and I finally got here. I released my album. I moved into an RV. I'm driving around the country. And in my head, immediately, I started thinking about, I want to play bigger venues. I want a bigger following. I want to play with artists. I want to be opening for bigger artists. You know, it's always moving on to the next thing. But ultimately, like, this has been my dream for a while. And it's really cool to finally be here. So I'm, I want to, I definitely want to get into the music. Because your music is so cool. (laughs) Um, It's just so original and fresh and it's really unique there's not anybody that I know that's doing anything like it which is really cool I mean I I hear influences you know you do all the production right it's all you it's a mix okay most of the most of the songs I like some of the songs are 100% me and then some of the songs on my first album I would hire artists to come play on it and they would write the part when they were working on it right so the bass part and the drums cool and then uh there was one song where i hired a producer that was cards dealt and he added keys Interesting. he added guitar he kind of rearranged things and we worked on that together but all the other songs are definitely more just me and then i don't know if you saw i had a remix of a yeah. song on Spotify. And so that song like really went out there. I sent that to a friend to produce, but I released both versions. He definitely added a, an interesting twist to it. I've always wanted to do that, like send one of my songs or even just like just the vocal track to someone and have them just completely do whatever they want with it. So it was really cool to hear that. Well, at first when I was working on this project, I very much was afraid to share it with anyone. And I wanted it to be completely my own. I wanted to own this project out of fear of losing these songs down the line if something were to happen with my relationship with the collaborator. And then I realized, like, I think part of that was me needing to find my own sound before I invited anyone. Um, Because I do, I did want this project to be my own rather than a 50-50 split. So that was an interesting journey. I I never studied music. I kind of was teaching myself all of this along the way. So I would just talk to people who inspired me and kind of get ideas of what they recommended. I was like, what is mixing? What is mastering? What is production? Like, what do I need to do to to get this to a place of completion? I had no idea what I was in for. Oh, that's so great. I love that method. Just like gathering info (laughs) from all the people. That's great. Yeah, thank you. So, So at first, I really wanted it to be my own. I just like 
sat down with it and created this entire, it's a bit of a concept album. Then once I had the the songs all written, then I started bringing it to other people. And, and I got to the point where I realized how powerful collaboration is and how it can really bring a project to the next level because you get to combine everybody's strengths as artists and, and be more intentional with all the different components. Yes. So. I've had a really similar experience of being really protective of my music and not wanting to share it with people. And then having the courage to share it and being like, oh, wait, it's actually way better when, I, when I'm doing this not alone, when I have other people around me and I learn from them and I hear you for sure. I feel like a big theme in the album and I, I would love to talk about the concept. I'm just gonna like put out a theme that I heard, growth, like growing, constant growth. Yeah, well, you, you found it basically. Yay. That's amazing. Oh That's my awesome. gosh, that means, yeah. okay, cool. I mean, I definitely was just hearing like, I'm constantly growing, like I'm always learning. And I was going to just ask you about that. Yeah, this album fell like in the chapter of my life as I was establishing my own self identity as an adult. I feel like this transition was particularly emotional for me as a human, just because like, it's kind of the first time I was feeling a lot of just like realizations about how I process things and the mental obstacles that exist for me. And a lot of this album is about moving beyond those mental obstacles that I know everyone has, whether it's, you know, it's all specific to our own minds, but everyone has different obstacles and patterns. And so this was kind of the first time that I was going through and processing all of all of that. Yeah, finding my set of values and, and finding more about myself and how my mind works and how to to feel comfortable within all of the chaos. Yes. <laughs> I think my favorite <laughs> moment of the whole album is in patterns when you have this like chaotic, obtrusive thoughts just like swirling around and you have these voiceovers and it's all like everything's layered. And then all of a sudden it's just like, maybe it's okay to not feel okay. And I was just like, oh shit, like that's fucking <laughs> it right there. Like that's it. Like it was just so powerful, seriously. Aww. Honestly, patterns is one of my favorites. And it's like a whole journey. And it really is one of my more vulnerable songs because it shares all of my biggest insecurities. Yeah. And, uh, and I actually can't perform that song solo. It's the one song that I can't perform solo because it's so dependent on that bass line and that drum part. And that's just like what makes it so special. Mm. So I've only performed that song once. Wow. Which was when I hired a full band at my album release party at Nectar's in Burlington. And um, and I'm so excited to start playing more with the band because that song, I want to be more a part of the mix. It's so interesting, like how the, the most vulnerable songs are like the most relatable, like it's almost the most specific to you, but it's also 
the most universal or something. Like that was the song where I was like, oh shit, I definitely like hear myself so much in this song. Wow. Something that I'm working on in this chapter is trying to improve my live performances. Cause I put so much time into recording these songs and then never really learned them exactly the way I wrote them. And there's so many layers. As artists grow over the years, they, they perform slightly different versions of these songs that they've written. And so I'm at a point where I'm ready to rework that and also try and perform the song with more intent, emotional intention behind it so I could actually communicate the story through the way that I perform it. Because, mm. uh, like, for example, I've seen some of my friends perform recently and like to hear how they talked about their songs between every song or... Um, my friend just saw Tash Sultana recently. Oh, yeah. And she was saying how that was like the most raw emotion that she's ever felt being at a concert because every single song really was clearly, Tash was experiencing those emotions right there on the stage in front of an entire full theater of, at Red Rocks. Oh, yes. How do you practice that? Like, do you just keep performing and just keep getting better at each show I haven't started yet (laughs) this is is like the the last month I've been really stewing on all of this I've been thinking about what are these components how can I improve my performance how can I make it more relatable how can I make it more of an experience that will inspire people to be more raw with themselves and with other people and um, really thinking about how I can use my art as something to create meaning for people Mm. and so right now I'm just brainstorming all of this because so much of being creative I think is just creating space for ourselves to just sit down with our art I've been very busy and so I haven't been creating enough space for myself to sit down but at this point I'm creating all these ideas for myself to work on and then I'm tempted to give myself just a whole month off in the fall just to like you re- we really I really need space to to create anything just to sit with a project like I wrote my album during the pandemic I was just sitting in my room for months just working on my album yeah. Oh my gosh. It's it's so interesting that you're bringing up space because I was listening to the album and the singles that you have out. And I really felt that one of the most inspiring things about it. And also like one of the things that hit me the hardest was like how you really created this tangible space in each song, like with your production and your vocal layers and everything about it was like actually creating, like, it felt like I was being surrounded by sound. Wow. Even just listen, I was listening on like Apple, what are they called? <laughs> headphones. <laughs> Literally cannot think of the word headphones. Apple headphones. And it was still like that surrounding space. So I actually feel that in your music. And it's really interesting that you're you're talking about like creating that space for yourself outside of the music in order to create the music. I would love to, to kind of zoom in on this idea of people being more raw and open with themselves and other people. Can you just like talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I definitely feel like in our culture, there's not enough space for emotions. 
So that's so true. <laughs> I'm constantly thinking about how I can have an impact. It's important for me to use my time and my passion in a positive way. I'm just constantly thinking about how I can use my gift, which is my voice. You know, that's something I, I was just born with. I was lucky enough to be born with the voice that I have. I can use my passions and my skills to have a positive impact on the people around me. And the easiest way, or maybe the way that resonates most with my character seems to be to try and lead by example of being vulnerable and raw in front of people. And it's interesting, I almost hide behind my music when I'm singing these songs. I'm not necessarily communicating my feelings in the moment with this crowd, but but then I actually am. <laughs> it's just embedded <laughs> in these songs. <laughs> I'm a very emotional person. <laughs> and I don't think that's ever going to change. And at this right. point in my life, even even though I've felt all of these emotions so many times and in the moment I can exist there with a, with a rational mind on the outskirts being like, wow, you're feeling like this again, huh? Been there, <laughs> done that, you know? It's like, it still feels, still feels strong. Mm. I guess not as strong as a few years ago when I was really uh, experiencing my mental health patterns for the first time and really trying to dive in and pick them apart. At this point, I understand a lot more about myself, but um, yeah, I mean, I've always tried to be weaving in mental health with my art and I haven't really known exactly how to do that because I'm not very qualified necessarily. I'm not a therapist. I'm not, I've done a little bit of mental health work through uh, wilderness therapy I've been a guide for for students uh at this point I feel like the best way that I can encourage people to take care of their mental health through my music is to just be really vulnerable with myself and uh try and lead by example yeah I mean that's a really powerful mode of teaching honestly and then when you're performing it allows people to just kind of like relax into their emotion or maybe not relax, but just have the emotion at least because they're reacting to your super emotional music. Do you feel like you're doing that with your social media too? Or is it more just like the music is the avenue and then the social media is just to kind of share the music? And I've, I've thought about doing that for sure. And, um, you know, it's all about having a consistent message across all of your platforms. The brand. And that's <laughs> the brand. <laughs> yeah. So I've thought about that. In fact, at one point, this was also during the pandemic, I created this whole mental health workshop based around my songs. And I was going to, I never did anything with it, but I started to, it was this really in depth, elaborate idea where each song had a theme and then there was a series of worksheets and a video and activities and all these I was I was gonna try and have people create a self-care routine based around my music videos wait that's so cool when I was in I was encouraging people to 
incorporate more adventure into their lives, whether that be just like going for a walk or like, or I don't know, like something small or big. So I was trying to use my musical adventures as a means of promoting positive self-care routines. Wow. <laughs> for a while, I think I was maybe using my social media a bit more to talk about that. But like I said, I had this whole, I felt held back by my lack of qualifications. And I also doubted if that was really the route that I wanted to take because I don't want to really have responsibility for anybody's mental health that's not something that I'm at the point I want to try and take on at all yeah that makes sense and then I hit the road and started this chapter where I'm traveling and so consumed by this wild lifestyle that my social media has mostly been focused on sharing my travels hopefully leading by example. Like I said, at this point, yeah, social media is not necessarily reflecting these intentions of mine right now. Social media is just like a weird other world Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't necessarily need to be real. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I want it to be real. I want it to be real. I really want it to be real. I'm trying to make my social media is more real. But it's tough to balance the realness with the engagement. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to do, I wouldn't want to post anything that's inauthentic just for the sake of. No. And that's no, exactly. so interesting to try and balance though, because there is a disconnect between reality because it's so easy to post pictures of, of us always happy on social media, even though we're not always happy. Exactly. And so I guess like the biggest goal of mine is to try and be more authentic on social media and try and include the moments that I'm struggling. Yeah. Yeah. I actually like a couple of weeks ago, I was like having a really hard time and was super overwhelmed and I was like crying and I actually took, well, it's just so weird to take pictures of yourself when you're in that state, but I was like, this would be interesting to share. And I took pictures and then I like, chickened out and didn't share them yeah I want to switch gears so set the scene for us like we're at your show how do you set up what do you do at your shows like because you have a very unique way of performing Hmm. I would identify as a loop artist which means that I live record myself uh during shows I mostly record my vocals and my viola I'm an artist performing solo on stage and there's a lot of layers that happen that I'm able to build very quickly. So I usually do a little demonstration to show people uh, what exactly is going on. I will record a track and then as I sing or continue to play, I'll build layers so that I can have a lot of harmonies and sounds almost like I have a full choir or a full orchestra with me, even though it's just me and then I'm able to, to craft the song out of that. And what's so special about it is you can really build a full sound even when you're playing solo. So you can even add a drum drum component, whether you loop that live or I have some drum tracks saved from my album itself. But I've seen a lot of artists like Tash Lutana, who I was mentioning a minute ago, is a popular loop artist. And when they perform, there's drums, bass, 
and then guitar and keys and then plays saxophone over it and there's just like the sky is the limit you really can add anything into the mix that way so yeah that's my my main mode of performance in fact if somebody tells me i'm performing on an acoustic stage i'll still bring my looper pedal um because i have an acoustic vibe an acoustic sound but i need the looper pedal to perform almost all of my originals because um, mm, i just have all the layers yeah all of the songs are are loop dependent that i've written it was something I was always interested in as soon as I saw it. I used to be in an acapella group in college. So having a lot of different vocal layers all coming together uh, was was pretty intuitive for me after a few years of, of, of that being in that acapella group. I've heard a lot of people tell me that they couldn't get the timing right. And that's always been their biggest confusion with looping and I can't really empathize with that because for me I just uh, <laughs> I don't know I was lucky just I honestly have no music theory background so for me I'm mostly working off of my intuition and, and the fact that I was born musically inclined but it did take a lot of practice at first especially for the more complicated songs like there's this one song that I do that has some dissonance in it um and so and it's like a five-part harmony that where the the notes come together in a way that at first sounds really unintuitive and then there's another one where the timing was really interesting as it comes around the the vocal like bop, doop, doop. it was all kind of scattered just in like an interesting like syncopated rhythm but in terms of like having it built into the structure of the loop pedal that was pretty intuitive for me that's so cool. So this is like the process podcast so one thing I'm really interested in and you I'm sure have a very unusual um answer to this question uh do you have a daily routine that you do every day or is your life much more fluid i finally have a bit of a routine (laughs) right now but for the last year i have been totally launched into outer space i've been (laughs) just like you know i've had a lot of shows booked and they're all over the country and so a lot of it is everything has been constantly changing my location and the timing the the amount of time I have to put into drives where I get to stay the types of chores that I like everything has been up in the air but it's been so fluid for the last year and then I actually have a part-time job this summer I intentionally wanted to create some more space for myself I was playing so many shows that I wasn't inspired to go home and also be creative. So um, the fact that I have a a day job three days a week and I'm staying in one place for the whole summer is allowing me to build some routine that I think I'll be able to take onto the road with me after I leave here. So I think this is helping me build more roots within my nomadic lifestyle. Mm, That's awesome. So Do you feel like the vision has changed for how you want to be living your life? Or do you feel like you are living the vision and this is how you want it to be for the next however many months or years? Yeah, it's definitely, this is something that I looked at from the other side for a long time. And now that I'm here and I'm facing the the nuances of the reality, there have been a lot of moments where I've questioned how sustainable this lifestyle is. And Mm -hmm. I went into this lifestyle living on the road of um, being really curious to explore and be like, how how long can I do this for? Because I know there are, I've been out here, I've met a lot of people who have been living in their van for five years now. 
and wow. they've made it work for themselves. Yeah. And um, at first it was really difficult, but I think it would have been just as difficult if I had moved to a new city with a new job, a new set of roommates and new, like if any lifestyle change, you have to figure out all those details. How do you get your mail? How do you, like, which stores do you go to? How do you recycle? You know, it's all those little things that you don't have to think about after you've been in a place for a while. So it's a totally different shift of things living on the road. And it was um, not necessarily as simple as just, you know, restarting in a new town. But for the most part, I'm settling into this lifestyle. And at this point, I can see myself doing this for a while. But I have learned a lot about this lifestyle that I didn't realize would be the case on before I started it what what types of things like were you not expecting the hardest part of this lifestyle is connecting with people in a town and then leaving this lifestyle is not particularly conducive to building more uh, rooted connections and so that's like the biggest thing that I miss about being in one place there's a lot you can dive deeper into the community Whereas when I'm constantly bouncing between spots, it feels a lot more superficial and that doesn't necessarily feel sustainable. But I have met a cool community of nomads. And so I'm able to move around with a lot of people. We all have been drawn to similar places. And so we'll all gather Mm. in, we gathered in Moab, Utah, Joshua Tree, California, Quartzsite, Arizona. And now a lot of us are in Salida, Colorado. So that's been really yeah. cool, but because we're all so nomadic, there's also a lot of practice and detachment there because there's a lot out of your control. You know, you could have an amazing night with your homies and then everyone's gone the next day. All of a sudden you just wake up and all their vans are gone and you're wow. like, oh, there they go off to Oregon. I've been living more present than ever before because you really mm-hmm. just have to live in the moment because there's a lot of unknown ahead. You know, you in a month from now, a lot of the factors are going to be different. And so we all, I think, are very present when we're together. So it's less of a distance and more of a letting go. Yeah, after. it's important to trust that we all come and go and, and then come back together. A lot of these people, I, I get sad saying goodbye to the nomads, but then they all reappear again down the line or down the road. I'm super curious, like how that has affected, like how you work on music, you know, because like, how has it affected your creative process having this type of ebb and flow lifestyle? Well, it's actually been interesting. I, I feel like there hasn't been a ton of space right now for creativity for me. I haven't created, I haven't made that space. I've been trying to to give myself space to get back into writing or to reinventing some of my songs. Um, A cool component of how the nomadic community ties into my music though, is that this community is really supportive of my performances. They will just turn any show into a party. There'll be like (laughs) 30 to 40 of them that just show up to any bar, wherever they are. And they'll just dance and sing along to my original music. And everyone in town is like, who are these people? <laughs> so great. And, and then they just come and join us and dance. And I met a woman who uh, plays keyboard and she lives in a van. And the two of us were playing a bunch of shows together. 
So I'm hopeful that we can do some more of that. And then I also have a guitar player who I used to play with in Vermont who just moved to California. So this winter, we actually had a residency at an Italian restaurant. We would play together every week. And then I have a bandmate who I met online during the pandemic because I saw one of his videos and saw how similar we were. Now we've traveled together a bit and we've performed some shows together. Yeah, the, the nomadic community in general is really supportive of creative endeavors. And also the nomadic community is really creative in and of itself. There are a lot of, a lot of people who are sustaining their travels with their art. I've met people who blow glass in their trailers. I've met someone with a welder. I've met painters and drawers and other musicians. There are a lot of artists who are living in bands. So that's cool. I was going to ask, like, have you been able to collaborate with other artists on the road? And it sounds like you really have. You're just all kind of exchanging ideas all the time. There's a lot of van life gatherings. and, And we do live music at a lot of those. And so I played on top of a school bus at one point to hundreds of school bus oh my gosh. families, like people all living in school. That was called Schooly Palooza. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> and then, yeah, we do a lot of like impromptu because we all have generators or batteries and, and we all, everyone's got their own little string of lights or like some kind of light system. So we park our rigs in a circle and make this little stage area and we do these outdoor shows off in the desert wow that sounds so beautiful just sounds so beautiful yeah I I think that community that I found was a big surprise and I've some people have told me that they've lived on the road for years and they hadn't found that community until just now and so I feel pretty lucky I mean it took me a while I was pretty lonely until I found that community but once I did uh, like once you meet one person in that crew all of a sudden every like it's like a magnet like when we were in Moab there would be more and more and more people coming to camp with us we would meet them at karaoke at the bar in town and they would be like wow like like it just I don't know it's a really cool environment that is super welcoming and yeah definitely not something I'd anticipated but yeah. I'm grateful for huh wow yeah that's amazing The other thing I'm really curious about besides routine is like finances, because as artists, we just have to be we have to be supporting ourselves with our art or getting a different job. So I'm I'm like, how did you handle that traveling around? Were you just making money doing your shows and selling your album? This year, my main source of income has been music. And that was the first time that I've done that, mostly because I do enjoy having other jobs to take some of the stress off. When you try and combine your creative passion with your source of income, it changes the emotional dynamic with the the process. Can we just land there for a second that it's okay to have another job? I really like having another job besides. I feel like that's important to say. But actually, what's interesting right now, okay, backtrack. When I first moved out west, I didn't, I wanted just to see where the music took me. And it was really difficult at first to book myself shows because booking shows in a new location where nobody knows you is 10 times harder. And so there was a, there was a lull, there was about a month where I didn't really have a ton to do. And I, I was able to make it work. I was able to 
to find some part-time work. Um, I started shopping for Instacart, which was super flexible. And that took some stress off of me because if there was there were a few days that I didn't have any shows and I wanted to go do some grocery shopping. It was totally on my own terms. Um, but actually, as soon as I registered for Instacart, I pretty quickly started to have more shows coming in. And then it's a bit of a snowball. You know, once you start to make those connections and people, as soon as people know who you are, like I said, it's 10 times easier. Now, at this point, I was really excited to take some stress off of music and I got this part-time job. I mean, it goes both ways. Because I have this part-time job, I'm shifting the way I think about music as employment. It's definitely making me appreciate music more, especially because like, I was at the point where I was making enough playing music. And at this point, I'm being offered a lot of shows in this valley this summer. And it is more financially viable actually to, to play shows every night than it is to make minimum wage <laughs> but there's also so much unpaid work that goes into the, the th- right and so that's that's where it's the balance um you know like the reason why I make more money in a short period of time is to compensate for all that unpaid work but the unpaid work since it aligns with my passion and also because I get to do it on my own terms and do it as inspired action rather than showing up at 9 a.m. and doing what I'm told, it doesn't as much feel like work. So in a way, mm. I feel like I'm almost tricking myself to to making to feel like I'm making way more money per hour, even though I'm constantly working. Have you seen that meme? Where it's like I quit my day job so that I could work 24-7 on my on my own business. <laughs> I have not, but I definitely want to. I please send it to me. <laughs> I don't know if I could find it again, but that's the concept. That's hilarious. Yeah. But because it's my own passion project, you know, it doesn't as much feel like work. And so and so in a way, yeah. this is having a day job where I'm making $15 an hour feels pretty inefficient compared to where I'm at with my music career right now. I love that. I love that word. It's just inefficient. (laughs) It just takes way longer. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Just for the musicians in the house or any artists really that are doing this unpaid admin work, can you give us a quick little list, like all the things that you're doing besides just getting up on stage and performing? Yeah. Well, I book all of my own shows. And so that requires a lot of outreach. I send hundreds of emails and I have to do the research to find those places. And then I also promote my own shows. And so that's communicating with everybody I know in the area. I also make posters. I make Facebook events. Sometimes I perform on the radio or do podcasts like this. Um, Even with booking shows, it's not only solidifying a date but then there's also more to communicate about after there's a lot of back and forth uh, to have a cohesive promotion plan to negotiate a rate for compensation Um, and then there's writing music which is a whole nother thing right (laughs) and making my own music videos Um, so there's, you know, I, in a lot of my music videos, I try and get really creative with. And so, you know, you put the time into filming it and editing it and, and posting it. There's all the social media time. 
to stay updated on building a following. With writing music, there's the initial writing of the song, recording of the song, editing of it, releasing the, and there's a huge investment in that. I mean, not just a time investment, but also financial investment Mm. and hiring artists and hiring a recording engineer. I guess I recorded the album myself, but I hired a mixing and mastering engineer. Would you feel comfortable saying like how much the whole album cost? Just so people know like how much money goes into this so that they can support you more. <laughs> That's my, my main goal uh-huh. in asking that question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I've calculated the exact full expense. I think I was on the cheaper end with things. Maybe three or four thousand dollars. And that's the cheaper end. Yeah. <laughs> and and we get paid like, what is it? Like 0. 0.003 cents per Spotify stream or something. All right. So we're just throwing that out there. <laughs> so do you want to hear about like, just real quick, like uh, th- these are the people I heard in your music, but I'm very curious if this is like accurate or not. I heard a lot of like Arlo Parks vibes. Um, do you know Arlo? Wait, you don't know Arlo Parks? <gasps> Okay, I'm going to send you Arlo Parks and then Andrew Bird also. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And Billie Eilish, because she has that like production spacey thing going on. And I really like heard that a lot. Wow. And then this, do you know Yasmin Williams? She's like a really incredible guitarist. I think I might. Spotify creates a bit of a disconnect between artists and listeners Mm. where you know you can just have all these random artists coming through from spotify playlists and not be as aware about who you're listening to yeah that's so true i discovered her on a spotify playlist so that's like that's probably where you know the name yeah i'll send i'll send you yasmin williams and other parks like you'll be very into them i'm sure a more traditional artist that i really love and feel like i'm vocally inspired by is ella fitzgerald Ooh. But she's like, like that's kind of in, that's that's a deeper influence. I don't think that her style is as present in the songs that I write. Um, whereas Hiatus Coyote is more directly correlated. I feel like with my vocal riffs. I totally hear that. The Dirty Projectors. Ooh, wait, I do, I know them, but I don't really like. I can't think of their music, so I need to look listen again. Yeah. Definitely Andrew Bird and Kishibashi is similar to Andrew Bird. Oh, She's another violin loop artist. Yes. So one of the things that's so unique about your content and like what you're putting out into the world is your videos. So can you just like give us a little, a little kind of image of what you're doing in your videos? Because it's, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I'm well aware. It is a little crazy. Yeah, so I'm an adventuring musician combining my my adventures with my musical world. And I have brought my violin on all sorts of adventures with me. So I created a video series called the Sauntering Studio Series, where my studio saunters onward, hence the Julia Rose Studios. And uh this uh, podcast is being recorded from my current sauntering studio. Her name is Scoogie. She's Scoogie. my trailer. Scoogie the Sauntering Studio. Yes. Scoogie means shadow in Icelandic. 
Um, but in this video series that I've created that's up on YouTube at this point, I bring my violin whitewater rafting, rock climbing, skiing, climbed 100 feet in a tree on an island in the Adirondacks. I brought the violin swimming, and then I sacrificed it to the adventure spirits. Amazing of it all. Yes. I wanted to bring my violin on all the adventures that I like to go on. And the first round, all of those videos, all those adventures are paired with my first album, Time Is Now. And then the second round of videos has yet to be started. But um, my, my hope as I move forward would be to start doing actual live performances in remote outdoor locations. Whereas this last set, I was playing my violin in interesting places that I wasn't necessarily performing a song from start to finish up in a tree. I want to get the technology so that I can bring my looper to these remote locations and have them battery powered and have potentially a, um, a radio signal connecting my looper pedal to a speaker far away with an audience. Wow. So I've got big, big ideas. How can we find out about these potential future shows in remote locations like do you have an email list or do we just follow you on instagram what do we do yeah so <laughs> julia rose studios is my tag and if you look that up on google you'll you'll find a link to all my social media i have an email list which is the way that i communicate with people when i have shows near nearby they're all up there and I'm Julia Rose Studios on all of them. Super helpful. I'm sure so many people listening will just be extremely excited to look you up and listen to all your music after this interview. And if you are in a state that Julia Rose Studios is going to be playing in, like, please go see her live. Her live shows are so magical. It's so beautiful. So I would highly recommend just making the trek out wherever, if she's like within a hundred miles of you, just go drive. Um <laughs> I'm going to be in Vermont and New York. I'll be in the Adirondacks for two weeks, starting August 20th until Labor Day. And then I'll be in Vermont for the month of September. Nice, okay, good to know. It's good to know your, your travel plans. And I have a soft goal to try and play shows in as many states as possible, maybe even make it to 50 someday. Oh, that would be so, so cool. That'd be so cool. Yeah, it's just like fun to have things to work towards. <laughs> For sure. I mean, yeah, it's just always having a challenge. I'm just going to ask a couple rapid fire questions, just like answer quickly and intuitively and try not to think about it too much. <laughs> what gives you joy? Surrounding myself with, with people who I feel loved by and who I love. This one, I, I want to ask you this, but it might be a hard question. Where's your favorite place in the whole world to be? This is a, this is a really- I know, it might just not be possible to answer. I actually, like, that is one of the hardest parts of this lifestyle. My heart is in a lot of places right now. Valid. What keeps you going? I don't know. I don't know how <laughs> I'm still going. <laughs> 
I feel that. Oh my much. gosh. <laughs> I woke up today being like, oh my gosh, how am I going to figure out this concert that just is like not coming together the way I want it to? Oh man. I'm like, should I just give up? <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know. I'm surprised I'm still going. Well, fuck. Like, I'm glad you are. I think I'm passionate enough. And okay, what keeps me going is the the moment the interactions that I have when like after a show when somebody hears my music and they just come over and and reflect back at me a really a big a big ball of light Mm. because of the experience the positive experience that we were able to share while I was performing and when they can reflect back at me the energy that they felt during my performance that reminds me of how valuable my performances can be and helps me keep going. Oh, amazing. I am so grateful for you and for your time and for your music. And I'm, I can't wait to just listen to your album on repeat, like right after I hang up the call. Oh, <laughs> uh, thanks for having me. I'm yeah. excited to see what you put together. I'm just really glad that we are able to know each other seriously. Like, yeah, it's definitely a blessing. Yeah, super great to have you as part of the nomadic community. Yeah. I mean, you're not the nomad, but I've met you through my travels. <laughs> right. I'm totally not. I'm like the opposite of a nomad. I'm like, I want to stay on my couch with the book. <laughs> but with my I, cat. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. But I greatly like support the nomadic lifestyle for sure. Before you go, don't forget to go to YouTube and search Julia Rose Studios or check out her website, juliarosestudios.com for all the videos, all the music, all the concerts. If she's coming to your city or your local desert or your local forest, please go see her. It will definitely be magical and you might even get a glimpse of the mysterious nomadic community that we talk about in this conversation. If any of this resonates with you, please share it with one or two friends who you think would love it and leave a review and some stars. And if you're interested in supporting the podcast so that I can eventually, hopefully soon, put out more than one episode per month, go to patreon.com slash Sienna Process, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash S-I-E-N-A Process. The Process Podcast is presented by Rochester Groovecast, powered by Balbert Marketing. Our theme music is composed and performed by Sienna Facciolo, Jordan Rabinowitz, and Chris Palace, featuring Sally Louise on guitar. Mastered by Jack Galindo, mixed by Chris Palace. This podcast is mixed and produced by Sienna Facciolo. See you next month. Sending hugs. Mwah.